We're never truly lost. Well, okay. Maybe we've been turned around in the woods for a few days. But that's just part of the adventure we're living, right? And it's on those wrong turns, however, that life gets hard. That's why we raised this camp here at Project Mindfully Outdoors. And I'm Mike. And I've been there. Right where you might be standing right now. Worn down, confused, maybe even a little lost. This is why I'm inviting you to join me here at camp. Where we can tap into the wilderness to help heal those wounds that were left behind from those trails unseen. There's a special kind of freedom that lays within the wilderness. So join me now as we tap in to that power of freedom, healing, and adventure on Project Mindfully Outdoors. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to Project Mindfully Outdoors. As always, I'm your guide, Mike Martin. I want to be the first to invite you to yet another fresh new start. That's right, we're kicking off a brand new week, which means that everything that you were going through last week is in the past. It's gone. And you get a fresh start. I don't know if you know that or not, but that's the beauty of waking up each and every day. And when you group things into a seven-day clump, it can get kind of rough. And if you just remember that, you know, when you wake up and you get going on that first day of the week, it's a new start. It can start to uh, turn things around, make a drastic change in the way that you're navigating through the world. But on today's episode, we're kicking it off with an old friend. That's right, our good buddy Dale Walsh is joining us back at base camp today. And we first met Dale back in episode 140, where we uh, not only explored a little bit of his journey and battles with schizophrenia, but we also spent a lot of time diving around this idea of finding yourself a Cato, which is a benchmark, somebody that you can look up to and you can learn from, just based on the way that they carry themselves and the way that they hold true to their values. But we're not going to rehash that conversation, because today, Dale is joining us to talk about an idea that furthers that progression. Not only does he share a little bit more insight into the schizophrenia stuff that he's battled, but we also spend a lot of time around the idea of a paradigm shift and shifting that mindset, finding ways to do it, and relevant things that are going to help you go forward. So I really enjoyed this conversation. I mean, we had 
all kinds of technical difficulties. In fact, I tried last week when I recorded this conversation to share it as a live stream and kind of a little preview of things that are coming down the pipeline. I'm not exactly sure how that turned out. I've been so fighting the decision of not being irritated with all those technical difficulties from last week to really go back and explore it. So it may be out there, it may not. However, this is like the third take of our second conversation. And on the flip side of this word from our sponsor, I really hope you enjoy the conversation that I have here with Dale. True Wild is the outdoor authority on hydration and supplements. And that's why I'm so proud to have partnered with them. Because not only do they provide the most amazing and top of the line hydration products and supplements, but their business model is one that really matches our values here at Project Mindfully Outdoors. True Wild is all about tapping in to nature in order to find the best ingredients to help fuel your next adventure. That's right, they didn't discover their supplements in some stuffy lab. No, they actually put their boots on the ground to find the best all-natural ingredients in order to put these things in your hands to help you push your body and your mind to the next level. After all, it really boils down to the way Seneca put it. It's important to treat your body rigorously because it allows your mind and your soul to grow. But there's another part to that. In doing so, it's so very important to take care of your body, to keep yourself hydrated and supplemented properly. That way, our bodies are up for that next big adventure. So let our friends at True Wild support you every step of the way. Just visit True Wild dot com slash project wild today Dale, we are having like the craziest try time trying to uh, reconnect and put together a follow-up on uh, that last episode we did where we talked about finding yourself a Kato. So 
something magical has to come out of this because we had that difficult time putting the first one together. Right, it seems uh, it seems the universe like that wants to keep us apart or something, Michael. It's uh, it's uh, pretty mysterious. It's not even uh, Mer Mercury retrograde. <laughs> you know, I think that just nature's way of saying when we get together, magic absolutely happens. Yeah, and people don't want magic. That's why it happens. You're right, man. Magic is kind of one of those things that people get afraid of because when, uh, you know, things like that come out, results happen. And results right. are something that, you know, we like to fight and say it's hard to believe that we achieved something because of our limiting belief system. Absolutely. Well, you know, I, I've been listening to a lot about limiting beliefs lately, and uh, I know I have a few, especially about money and, you know, just abundance and scarcity. And basically, I feel that since I was first diagnosed, I've been like thrown into a atmosphere and or environment of scarcity and it's taking all my work and all my uh, brain power and meditation and everything to break out of the... Uh, to break out of the cycle that I've been in for 46 years. Which is a challenge. You know, it's, we're so much creatures of habit that when things come up, we automatically want to dive back into those things that we found comfort in and the old patterns. But as you progress down that path, you kind of realize that those things were maladaptive and that's why you've left them behind. Absolutely. Well, I, I don't know if I ever told you this, but on my 66th birthday a year ago, on May 24th, I woke up and I said, I'm going to put all my, all my stigma labels and bad programming behind me. And it was the most successful year of my life. And I just went to a convention for my company. And, uh, and I really feel that I'm on the verge of like really breaking into abundance. Which is really the exciting thing because you sit there kind of in that little bit of a hole that you did for yourself. And you're like, you know, if I could just find this or I could just find that, I could climb out of this hole and I could do all these things that I dream of. But in reality, it's not about the, if I just had this or I just had that, all those little pieces that we're looking for are inside of us. So it's just taking that moment. I'm sorry, you, you, you go. It's, I'm trying it's, to it's, close my windows because uh, because I just uh, I can't seem to uh, get you clearly. You're swimming, swimming underwater. Uh, yeah, that happens a lot for some reason. Okay, that's better. All right, yeah, I was saying, you know, those kind of like setting goals and dreams and things that we want to achieve when we find ourselves in that like little dark hole or that pit that we're trying to climb out of we say to ourselves this idea of you know if I just had x y and z I could get out of this hole and I could go achieve all these things that I see happening for myself but the reality is we're not the x y and z factor are all within inside us already it's just a matter of making that commitment to ourselves and taking the time to look inward that we could climb out of that hole and start achieving all those different 
things that we set out we see within our minds right well one of the major major lessons or major points of the convention was you know you got to make a decision you got to make a definite and viable decision if you're going to like advance so uh, you know that that's uh, something that I'm doing, and you know, and what my decision is to not be to turn my turn my back on my past and live for the pre live in the present, looking towards the future rather than letting the memory of my past uh, pollute my uh, thinking. Well, yeah, it's definitely a real washboard type subject where you got to grind a lot of those things out and let them go but at the same time i feel like it's really important to honor that path that you've traveled because you know ultimately your past is shaped who you are and if you forget those roots in that history you're bound to at some point trip up and make those same old mistakes so right. if you're able to take that concrete break it up a little bit and reshape it into something that shows you the lessons that you've actually learned along the way you humble yourself to fully understand and integrate those parts into that journey going forward the next level of foundation that you build upon that that you're trying to you know work into your everyday practice of life is that much more stable and secure right well I guess I guess what you know I I'm very proud of the past I I mean I look at you know a lot of people in my situation with the diagnosis and everything and I say well I not only have I been had a lot of luck but I've also had like a lot of determination to rise out of the muck of uh, mediocrity and even mental illness and you know I'm proud of that and I I, I use the use the things I I use to get out of that muck to like fortify myself and help me build a better future. But you're right, you know, you can't forget your past, but yet you, you have to like keep it in perspective. Oh, most definitely. As long as you've got that solid foundation, the wagon wheel is going to keep rolling and it puts you in the driver's seat. You know, as long as you're reaching into that unknown aspect and you're holding the reins, you're really preventing that wagon wheel from rolling over top of you again. Right. Well, I'll oh, go ahead. No, I just going to say schizophrenia is a bitch. So it's like, <laughs> it's like you know, that's the bottom line. And, you know, I, I, I have a lot of friends. I met, I had one friend, God bless his soul. He died of brain cancer. He uh, was a, he was a military police guard of nuclear weapons in Germany. But, um, you know, he, he, he's the only person who I've, ever met who was like more successful or as successful at dealing with his schizophrenia as I was, but I've known like so many people and, you know, just seen so many people at the mental health clinics that I go to, they're just like, you know, they're lost and it is, it's like a tragedy, but, you know, but the programming the people that the doctors give them, like make it very hard for them to like overcome because you know, the doctors say, well, you know, all you can do is hope to cope and, you know, you, you, you got this terrible disease and, you know, you got to stop listening to, to the doctors and the professionals at some point and say, well, damn it, I'm going to fight this. You know, I, I have a healthy side and, 
you just gotta like be on the side of your healthy side and be in the trenches for however long it takes. Yeah, it's, you know, not being afraid of that label. You have to lean into whatever it is, you know, whether you get the official diagnosis or you don't, it still becomes a choice that you have to make. You know, like uh, there's a quote in Meditations where Marcus Aurelius talks about, today I feel better because anxiety has, you know, not hit me so hard and freed me. And then he goes, no, you know what? It's not that anxiety made the decision it's the fact that i made the decision to allow myself to free myself of that anxiety for today right and if we all and if we all learned how to you know bring that mindset and that perception about things bring boil it down to the fact that all this stuff that we interact with and we face it's decisions you know nobody can ultimately push you to do something ultimately you have to decide to do it and the unfortunate part of any mental health stigma out there is for a lot of people it becomes their identity because somebody gave them a label well that that's uh, one that's one of the things that i uh, that i like talk about in my coaching business is you know the the, dif- the d- difference between saying i'm a schizophrenic and saying i'm a person with schizophrenia because when you say you're schizophrenic, then the, the diagnosis like overtakes your whole personality and you see yourself as a personality that does, uh, does, you know, disabled or dysfunctional or whatever you want to say about it. But, you know, if you say I'm a person with schizophrenia, then your, your greater, your greater, uh, like more healthy self is like saying, it's like saying I have a cold or I have pneumonia or even I have cancer, you know, your cancer doesn't define you unless you let it. That's very well said. And that's the truth right there is getting back to that idea of perception. If you, you know what, in fact, there's a, a line in a book called The Wind is My Mother, where uh, Bear is talking about this idea how you never complete a negative sentence because you're essentially giving fuel for your mind to build around that negative thought, which ultimately makes it a reality. And with that label, with that label and that idea, the more that you hide within that, the more comfortable you get and the farther away from you progress and ultimately yourself ends up. Well, it's, uh, you know, even in affirmations, people say never use a negative because your your brain, your subconscious mind, when it hears a nod or a no or a negative, then it focuses on the negative rather than like on the positive. So, uh, you know, instead of saying, uh, you know, I'm not going to be poor, uh, you say, I'm going to be rich. And it's, it's like simple semantics, but for the subconscious mind, it has like a major influence. And of course the subconscious mind like is uh, non-judgmental. It takes everything that you say uh, in total faith and acts upon it. So if you have a negative uh, situation, you know, uh, Bob Proctor calls them paradigms. And uh, you know, if you have a negative paradigm, which is a series of habits, uh, a series of thoughts that like control the habits of your brain and 
all your activity is 95% habitual, then you have to change the paradigm before you can change yourself. Which gets back to that simple idea of you are what you eat. The more that you digest all those negative thoughts and labels and ideas that people tell you, the quicker that you become those things. And it's a slow process to learn how to turn that paradigm around because a lot of us don't have the practice, the skills, and we weren't even taught that as a child growing up. So we have to really teach ourselves within, you know, real time and the different events that we go through in the day. So if you just start out simple with something like as practical as I'm going to get out of bed today and I'm going to make this a good day, your mind is going to will that to happen. Well, the, the, the devious thing about paradigms is they're, they're basically created by the time before you have any conscious or analytical abilities. You know, I mean, most, most paradigms say. So we here at Project Mindfully Outdoors, namely myself, recently joined the 52 hike challenge. And I think you should too, because just one mile a week can change your life. See, here's the thing. We all know hiking is a key component to this outdoor healing journey that we're on, right? Just that alone makes this the perfect partnership. And it really is something that inspires us to uh, stay on the right track, right? And what happens is when you sign up, you pick a plan. And they set up a, a system that helps you to meet all the goals that are built around that plan that gets developed. And it's simply the goal of one mile a week. There's That's totally doable. They check in with you, they help you to stay on track with motivation and cool prizes to display that you can tell all your friends about. So right now I'm currently working my way through, through the standard challenge and I'd love to see you visit 52hikes.com slash project hike to sign up and join me on this amazing 52 week hike challenge. I'll be waiting at the trailhead for you. That simple idea of you are what you eat. The more that you digest all those negative thoughts and labels and ideas that people tell you, the quicker that you become those things. And it's a slow process to learn how to turn that paradigm around because a lot of us don't have the practice, the skills, and we weren't even taught that as a child growing up. So we have to really teach ourselves within, you know, real time and the different events that we go through in the day. So if you just start out simple with something like as practical as I'm going to get out of bed today and I'm going to make this a good day, your mind is going to will that to happen well the, the, the devious thing about paradigms is they're, they're basically created by the time before you have any conscious or analytical abilities you know i mean most most paradigms they they feel are like developed before the age 
you know, the age of, uh, at the age of 12, you begin to develop analytical skills. So all that, all that goes into your brain goes to directly to your subconscious before the age of 12. And so you, you just like told that, you know, you believe what you believe because it's in the, it's, it's been, you know, put into your brain so often. Well, yeah, if you think about the mind growing up as like, I don't know, say a planter box and you put a seed in there as you're born and as you start to navigate through the first few years of your life, you're very dependent. You have these very like instinctual reactions and responses to everything. You're very much caught up in the moment. And meanwhile, in the background, everything is being sucked up like a sponge. Everything that you see, every interaction that you have, everything. And that ultimately builds the next layer of your brain, which, you know, as you move along in life and you start to navigate the world for yourself and you become more self-sufficient, you find that you encounter a lot more maladaptive behaviors if you're not off to the right start. Right. That's where a lot of yeah. that's where a lot of us find ourselves nowadays. Is... Well, <clears throat> oh, go ahead. No, no, you can finish your thought. I, I just uh, had had a brainstorm, but oh, I was going to say, you know, as we find ourselves nowadays navigating through this world, realizing that a lot of our protective instincts don't fit the world that we that we live in. We, have, we find ourselves having to adjust with really, you know, zero to a very small amount of data to build these new behaviors on. So it takes a process of not only healing all those different traumas and understanding where all these events come from, but also growing and enlarging the picture to bring in all these different practices that are taught and you know out there exposing yourself to all these new things ultimately brings and builds these more adaptive and efficient behaviors right well what i was going to say that this was a revelation i just had but you know the the, the paradigms are created in your mind in order for you to so to socialize and to can make you conform to what society wants. And I, I was just, I, I just had a, like a flash that, that uh, you know, maybe mental illness and schizophrenia and, and bipolar and even depression and anxiety or rejection of the paradigm by the mind. And therefore you become socially unacceptable. which I can definitely see, relate, and understand because when you don't necessarily, you know, behave and interact with people on the terms that they're used to, you end up getting outcast and you get shunned and pushed to the side. So that does actually affect you on the inside, whether you admit to it or you see it or not but it does kind of leave you feeling on the outside and it puts up a whole new layer of the onion that you've got to sort through and understand 
and then find ways to question exactly what it is and decide if that environment is really going to be beneficial and really help you in the long run of your story. Right. Well, you know, I think back, think back to what happened at Dartmouth when I came up with my I'm God joke. And it's like, you know, I really, you know, I really didn't realize the implications of what I was saying. You know, it's like, okay, I'll say I'm God and I'll laugh hysterically because how can God be five foot eight? But within three days, the whole, you know, the whole campus was like, I was alienated from it. And it's just like, why, you know? But on the other hand, you know, this was 1975 and it was a very radical and like dangerous thought that I was expressing because, you know, people have like this idea that if you say you're God, then, you know, you, you think you're omnipotent and you'll go and kill people. But uh, the uh, bottom line was I, I did, you know, I, I always conceived of God as like a being or an essence of love and, and companionship and, you know, goodness. And I never had any violent thoughts. Which, again, gets back to that idea of communication and understanding. You know, if you take the time, and yeah, that time period was drastically different from the days that we live in now because now it's more acceptable to talk to somebody. It's encouraged, in fact, to listen and try to understand the people that are around you. Sure, we've still got ourselves caught up in the grind and the hustle and bustle, get everything done as quickly and as efficiently as we can, but the doors are slowly starting to open up to where people who feel like they're in that, I guess, the clutch of whatever diagnosis or idea that they have are starting to get a little bit more of an understanding shoulder and a little bit more help to climb out of those holes and go forward. I'm not sure. I mean, that, I, I think that's a very, very optimistic uh, situation because you know, with, with with mass shootings and everything, I, I think that there, there's also a swing towards the opposite, which is that people are more and more terrified of, of any sign of mental illness. And, uh, you know, I, I just, uh, in, in, my, in my coaching experience, you know, I met people who thought they were God. And, you know, I mean, I, I was very fortunate because my, my, divine delusions uh, manifested in what my doctor of uh, 22 years called psychotic bliss. And I was just like, okay, fine, everything good, you know, and let's have a good time. But, you know, the, the uh, I think the classic scenario of divine delusions is this, this like immersion into the, de the world of demons and, you know, metaphysical and supernatural conflicts and everything. And it's just like, you know, and it can be very dangerous because, you know, you, you, you know, that that's what the essence of psychosis is, is losing touch with reality. But, you know, the reality. Hello? I'm still here. Oh, okay. The, the reality is that people are, uh, you know, are, 
are like so obsessed with power and you know and proving themselves right that they they uh, get paranoid and paranoia can lead to terrible things well you're absolutely correct there and when i think back on the subject of mass shootings and stuff you think all the way back to like columbine back you know when i was a kid and uh when there, there was an interview with Marilyn Manson where uh, somebody had asked him about it and he had the simplest phrase for a response that I think in that time in that context was so overlooked, which was he would have listened, you know, he would have let them talk. And since then, I think that kind of built a little bit of framework. Yeah, we're still miles and miles away from resolving the issue and really having that free form collective conversation with each and every person out there that could be at risk of doing so. But we're on a path of getting there and we're starting to open up more people to it, to this idea of a lot of this could be prevented by simply communicating and educating, helping somebody find out where they're at within a situation and how they can go about making it more, you know, a more healthy environment for themselves that de-escalates and prevents that situation from happening. Absolutely. The, well, th this brings up another thing that I talk about a lot is the crisis in mental health, uh, you know, practice. and. The, the fact, especially since COVID, I mean, COVID was like, it was like a, 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 gold, a, a, a gold mine for mental illness research and everything, because basically everybody, you know, everybody in the nation found out that they had some sort of mental illness. But, uh, and so they went to the doctors and the therapists and everything, and the whole system got uh, totally overwhelmed. I, I mean, I, I was very fortunate in that my parents had the uh, resources and the uh, patience to put me in a program where I, I, I had uh, I had the doctor three times a week for three sessions of 50 minutes apiece. And, you know, he had the time to listen to me. And that, that was that was like the, you know, the, the necessary talks therapy that I needed to be able to break out of my uh, psychosis. But, uh, you know, these days, the, the over the system is so overwhelmed there's just so many people in need of, of counseling and everything that you know not only I mean if the, if the therapists do have the time to listen they're burnt out because uh, they, they just don't have the time to take all the people that they need and uh, so that that's like a big dilemma because there aren't enough workers for uh, to, to deal with the Humong humongousness of the uh, mental health uh, crisis we have in this country. Well, definitely, because it was a broken system before COVID. And then you throw more people into a system that was lacking anyway. And it's a recipe for disaster. You know, the cracks in the system are easily exposed. And so many people are going to fall through those cracks. But the one good thing that I feel came out of COVID 
was the fact that there were companies that said, you know what, in this situation and the, the need that's out there, we're going to custom tailor it to a, to a scenario that feels a little less scary to those people that may not reach out because they feel it's so broken. And it gave birth, and I believe, to the online therapy systems that are out there. Right. The talk, ther- right. the talk therapy is a wonderful thing. But then again, you still have, you know, a large percentage that even feel that that's, you know, uncomfortable for them. So they don't pursue it, which brings me to my, to the point of it being that we all have to be proactive within not only our mental health, but the mental health of our loved ones around us, you know, reach out, have these conversations and you don't have to talk. You just have to listen. Yeah, it it makes us uncomfortable and it brings us to face a lot of things, but the benefits of it far outweigh all of the fear and all the stigma and all the things that make you want to run away from it. I agree with you, uh, Michael. I, it's just, when, that, that's another thing that, that's... Uh, always operative when it comes to mental illness is the self-stigma. I mean, I mean, you can take the example of veterans, you know, I mean, the last I heard there were like 25 veterans a day committing suicide just because the army is such a situation where, you know, if you show weakness and, and then you're ostracized. You know, I mean, it's a, it's a environment where you can't show weakness. And then when these these, Poor guys get out of out of the army, and they have to they have to deal with this anxiety and the PTSD and everything. They can't they aren't uh, equipped to cope because um, they you know because they've been taught that showing weakness and talking about themselves is like a, a weakness and uh, it's a betrayal of their uh, beliefs. Almost oh, definitely, and I think honestly that you touched on the most important point throughout this whole conversation that gets made is admitting that you're having a rough patch is not a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of courage because to come through and say, you know, no matter what your environment looks like, man, I'm having a hard time right now. And, you know, I can listen, I can use an ear or a shoulder to to lean on for support is probably one of the bravest things that anybody can do. It took me 15 years before I was willing to reach out for help. I mean, I was was subjected to help, but before it took me that long to realize that I, I I could ask for help. It's a learning process and it's definitely a challenging one, which brings me Dale to, uh, that question I hit you with last time that you came up with a great response to, and you know, it's the only question I ever really asked. Leave us with some words of wisdom from the most recent part of your journey. Uh, well, uh, the most recent part of my journey is uh, the, the, you, need, you need to be able to have the awareness and the self-awareness and the insight into your dreams and your vision in order to make the decision to pursue them. 
Very well said. I love that. Now, uh, before we do wrap this up, because we are running short on time, um, let everybody know how they can get in touch with you and the support that you have for them. Well, I'm a, I'm a mental health coach. I, I work with the families of schizophrenia. Uh, so I, I don't work with the patients. And the, I, I don't know what to call them because I hate the word patients. I hate the word clients. But, you know, I, I, I think diagnosee is the word that I came up with. But I don't work with the diagnosees themselves. But I, uh, I, I work with the families not only to help, help them understand the illness and how to cope, but also to give them practical suggestions about how to go forward and how to uh, help not only themselves because uh, so many people they're dealing with a schizophrenic or, or like uh, become codependent on the situation instead of being an independent agent, which is what you have to be to succeed. So I help people, uh, you know, re get get to their core core self, and uh, my my. Uh, my website is www.dew, which is my initials, Dale Edward Walsh, dew, live, love, L-I-V-E, L-L-V-E, dot net. So it's www.dew, live, love, dot net. And then I also have a phone, a phone if you want to just, uh, cut, you know, cut to the chase. And I, um, it's uh, 201. 509-0871. That's a 201-509-0871. And uh, I, I, I give uh, free disco discovery calls and to see if there's a fit and whether we actually can work together. Perfect. Dale, I'm glad this came together, brother. I love when we get the opportunity to uh, hash some things out, man, because greatness always seems but, to happen. It, Michael, we, we, we always uh, manage to get, despite the, uh, the resistance of the universe, we always seem to do a good job together. So I always look forward to seeing, to coming on and joining you. Most definitely. We'll get together again soon and uh, do another one. Okay, well, uh, best of luck and uh, thank you very much again, once again for, uh, for having me on. It's, it's always a pleasure. All right, that's it. That's all. That's the end. We've reached the end of yet another edition of Project Mindfully Outdoors. You know, I really uh, want to thank you for tuning in. And um, I really hope you enjoyed this conversation with Dale. Because 
it gets down to the fact that you know listening to not only other people but ourselves is where this paradigm shift and mindset shift happen so until next time get out there in the wild because that's where the stillness and the adventure lies see ya I want to thank you one more time for taking the time to work Project Mindfully Outdoors into your practice. You know, it amazes me just how steady and involved and engaged this community is becoming. And I invite you to head over to projectmindfullyoutdoors.com and set up your spot at base camp today. So this isn't about trying to sell you anything or convince you to do anything. I just want to say thank you.